folks, do you feel like everything these days is go, go, go? It's nonstop from work to friends to family and a million pressing issues. Sometimes you just need to take a playoff and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. Hey, it's that time of year in Minnesota again to get out on the lake, go to the cabin, sit back, watch some baseball. Coors Light is the perfect refreshment to chill during these summer months. There's only one beer out there that's made to chill. The mountains on the bottles and cans turn blue when your beer is cold, and that way you know it's time to chill. Hit that reset button with some mountain cold refreshment. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Coors Light is the one you should choose when you need to unwind. When you want to hit the reset button, reach for the beer that is made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. This is Greg Olson, inviting you to check out my new Blue Wire podcast, TE1, where I interview tight ends throughout the history of the NFL who have helped revolutionize the position. TE1 is presented by the Chevy Silverado. The Silverado is all about grit. It's strong and dependable, exactly like playing tight end. Just like the incredible players we sit down with on the podcast, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. Strong, advanced, and dependable. Download TE1 today wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to another episode of Purple Insider. Matthew Collar here, and right on time to join the podcast is Arif Hassan. What's going on, Arif? Uh, not much. Had a nice relaxing nap earlier in the day. That was nice, uh, and uh, and now I can relax uh, with a, a leisurely on time podcast with you. Right. Well, let's just hope that you're more focused and uh, don't have any other missed calls that you had earlier today. But we're here and uh, we're going <laughs> to talk some Vikings football. And there's a lot of stuff that I want to get to here because you and I are similar in our intrigue for players that are not necessarily the superstars and kind of how they're developing and how things are playing out and different theories about drafting and all this sorts of stuff. But I've got to start with one thing that's starting to get to me a little bit, Arif, and that's people's exit plans for Kirk Cousins. So here's the story. I'm really sorry to inform you that there are very few options to move on from Kirk Cousins, and the likelihood of the Vikings moving on from Kirk Cousins via a trade after this season is also not very high. And this is just me taking a bucket of reality and splashing everybody's face with it because I know that these last two games have been a horror show. They have been the two least enjoyable games maybe of my life, and I'm from (laughs) Buffalo. But, but that doesn't mean that the team that just invested a huge contract extension for Kirk Cousins is going to start trying to trade him. And it also means that if they go 3-13, and no one's trading for him, in part because his salary cap hit is huge in 2021, and it's huge amongus in 2022. So he's not really favorable for another team to trade for. And once again, if he goes 3-13, and that means he was probably awful, like he has been in the first two games, and it means who is trading you a first-round pick for someone who just went 5-11, and had a career-low year, and makes a ton of money, especially if you're in a quarterback-needy situation where you'd be 
probably trying to uh, draft someone instead. Now, I'm not saying it's impossible. Not saying that Tampa Bay or New Orleans or somebody couldn't, you know, have their old quarterback retire and still think that they're in championship mode and want to trade for Cousins. But I just see it as a very low likelihood situation that it's fun to play around with scenarios. But even with his contract structure, they can't cut him unless they're taking on masses of dead cap it. So react to my opening rant. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why you need me here. You're doing pretty well on your own. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it's a, the, the thing that gets me is that like, the only reason he agrees to uh, a, a contract extension, one that reduces his cap it for this year, is to exchange it for security. That doesn't, like, evaporate when he plays poorly. That's the point of security. You can't get rid of me no matter what happens. That's the whole idea. And so uh, there's no way his agent, there's no way he agrees to a deal with the Vikings that doesn't create some protections for him in case he flounders. Like, every player has all the confidence in the world until it, it comes time to determine what are the guarantees in the contract. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't think that it's reasonable for us to uh, envision a world where, where Cousins uh, goes away. And then you're left with the, the prospect of, and, you know, I'm totally fine with the Vikings like, drafting a quarterback in this draft, right? That's totally great. But then you, you, you've, got, uh, you've got to deal with this, this prospect of, You've got a quarterback who's under contract for 2021 as well as 2022. In 2022, there's, in theory, an out, right, because you cut him and you only take a $10 million dead cap hit. Um, And depending on how the salary cap stuff works, if they're going to prorate some of the losses from this year into 2022, that can be even bigger than we thought. Um, But, yeah, you've got this, like, bridge quarterback that you're paying $40 million in cap hit for, uh, and you have to be, like, really hopeful that whatever quarterback you draft is absolutely ready in 2022 to go because there's no way you're keeping both this $45 million cap hit and your first-round pick on the team at the same time if the $45 million cap hit isn't playing. So, yeah, I, I again, I think they should draft a quarterback. I, I wanted them to do it last year. We talked about it last year. Um, but you, you have to kind of negotiate the situation and figure it out, and that does not include getting rid of him for the 2021 season because you'll take you'll, you'll take not just the cap hit from uh, his actual contract that year, 31 million, you'll take an additional 10 million on top of it. That's just how guarantees work. Right. So that's a great way to lay it out. And I appreciate that. It was less ranty than <laughs> mine, but it was reasoned. And uh, so just looking forward here with cousins. The other thing too, is if you're in the front office and you signed him to this extension, boy, are you going to let it play out? Because if you don't, and if you panic because he's had a couple of bad games and you start looking around for other options and how can we get out from under him, I think the people that employ you are going to go, hey, wait, didn't you (laughs) think that he was great like a minute ago? And so if you are in the front office of the Vikings and you've signed him to an extension already, then what you have to be arguing is, A, we'll turn it around this year, unlikely but possible, or at least to get in an in-the-hunt graphic or make it fun at least. I could see this offense actually putting up some points someday, uh, maybe this week against Tennessee since Gardner Minshew put up 30 against Tennessee. And uh, if not for some Jerry Judy blocks, maybe Denver – or blocks, drops 
Uh, maybe Denver does that too on opening night. So I'm not sure that Tennessee has the best defense. I know that Houston doesn't have the best defense. I think you'll feel a little better about Cousins going forward. It's just that these two-game skids happen all the time with him, and there's always, if someone gets interior pressure, it's just kind of over for that day for Kirk Cousins. And trust me, I get it. I get all the frustrations. But if you are the one that signed into the extension, you're going to be saying, Give us time to build the roster back up around him and make it better. So when you go into this next draft, it's still a hard sell for me that if they're drafting fifth or eighth or something like that, which to me is where I would put them right now. I don't think you're getting worse than the Jets, who could go 0-16. And so if that's where you're at, you're trying to draft the best tackle, the guy from Oregon, or you're, you're trying to draft you know, a, a guard or maybe rebuild your defense, a three technique for the first time since Sheldon Richardson or something. Like That's going to be the argument that gets made realistically if as long – I don't even know how bad Kirk would have to play this year to have them saying, let's trade him. And then you're saying trade him to who for what? Right. Uh, who, yeah. who is doing that? Like Sam Bradford – that was the example intern Paul used the other day is, hey, Sam Bradford got traded from the Eagles to the Vikings for a first-round pick. It's true, but Bradford was actually legit that year uh, in 2015 for Philadelphia. If Kirk struggles this much with his salary cap situation, who's doing that? Who's making that trade? So I just kind of wanted to kind of clear that out a little bit that I get why this is going to be a conversation, but prepare yourself right now for an offensive lineman getting picked in the next draft and start thinking about how can they replace Stefan Diggs truly? How can they replace a lot of bodies on defense that we were told, no, it'll be fine. It'll be okay. It's not okay at the moment. So any, any, any more thoughts on that before I move on to what I wanted to discuss? Uh, I'm really excited to find out what you wanted to discuss, but yeah, no, I, I think that, uh, the the front office will do everything it can to keep the job, and with, like any human, I think, and uh, that involves uh, giving themselves time to win their decisions when they need to win them. And so, in extension for Cousins, and and they they made an insane gamble this year. We've talked about it. I've written about it. I bet you've written about it about the tightrope they tried to walk between rebuilding and setting the stage and, and, and taking advantage of this window, one that included trading one of their best players potentially in Anthony Harris and then actually trading one of their best players in Stephon Diggs. So it was like a crazy tightrope they tried to walk, and I was like trying to envision what it would look like, and it required uh, just a knockout draft class, and not just a knockout draft class, one that had an immediate impact. And so we're not seeing that. Uh, and so for the Vikings to be able to kind of retain their jobs all through the front office and the coaching staff, uh, not only do they need to turn it around, they need to turn it around with the decisions they intended to make. Uh, and so, yeah, uh, obviously Kirk Cousins, I mean, I don't think he's going to play as poorly again as he did against the Colts. Uh, I mean, there's a reason it was like his career game uh, because he hasn't played like that ever before. And so in all likelihood, he won't play like that again. Um, but, you know, not having Stephon Diggs, obviously that matters to a quarterback that is very dependent on the quality of a supporting cast, not having, you know, either guard kind of work out for him like that. Who could have seen that coming? Just everybody on the planet. Right. right? And so uh, they're going to, they're going to let Kirk figure it out and not like leave him out on an island. They're going to try and work with him to make it figured out, but they're going to, they're going to let this process play out until the point of no return, until you can say it's an absolute failure because you don't have any other option because, like we just discussed, what are you going to do if he does fail? You can't do anything. And, 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 and yeah, I think the example of Sam Bradford is really instructive because Bradford was supposed to be 
a bridge quarterback. It's like if Ryan Fitzpatrick balls out this year, like they're probably going to trade him because they've got Tua, right? But the point, and that's exactly what happened with Alex Smith. They have a quarterback whose whole point is to just bridge you to the next guy. If Tyrod Taylor balls out, great, he'll be worth a lot. But we're we're talking about the exact opposite situation where you don't have any quarterbacks on the roster and the one that sucks costs a lot, and now you're going to tell a team, yeah, this guy is absolutely worth a first-round pick, and we're going to use that first-round pick to trade up for, you know, fields or whatever, right? Like, it's not happening. Right, and whoever is in the position to draft Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields will draft Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields. If you think – I mean, okay, the Giants are bat bleep crazy, but – I think even them would look at those two quarterbacks and say, well, they'll probably fire Dave Gettleman after this year anyway. So whoever the new general manager is will say, we're drafting Trevor Lawrence, okay? We're (laughs) drafting Justin Fields, okay? They've basically put themselves in the Josh Rosen position with uh, Arizona of, whoops, we drafted a bad quarterback, and now – and the same thing goes for Darnold. At this point, you're ready to say – look, the guy probably isn't going to be great, so let's pick someone who could potentially be great. So if the Vikings aren't at number one or number two, you're not getting those guys. They're not trading out of those positions. They're going to take them and try to turn their franchises around, and that's what makes it even tougher. So now you'd be likely talking about, uh, okay, you're going to pick the third or fourth or fifth best quarterback who's in the draft, and then do what? I mean, are you going to leave them behind Cousins for two years? Uh, Are you going to try to – take a draft pick and put it with Cousins and trade it to someone else and say, we'll give you our whatever to take him off our hands, which seems really weird for a guy that you just extended. It's like, this is, it's almost like being mad at the weather, honestly. It's like, (laughs) yes, it's frustrating, but you can't change it. And so that's the position that you're in at the moment. So there's a couple of things I was thinking about because you and I did a full review of the offseason, and I think that we did it sort of imagination land style. Like, imagine they didn't extend Kirk. And we talked about whether that would have been a better position for them. And I think what you get to right now is, of course, the answer is yes at right now, because they did not seem to anticipate how bad this could get when you rebuild. And there's always sort of been this thing of, like, can we get – can we get the big names to stick around or the big names to come here and then the rest will figure it out because we'll draft good. And when you don't draft good, which was my original <laughs> premise for this, um, then I'm using good the way Mike Zimmer does. Right, um, yeah, yeah. So when you don't draft uh, successfully, then you can't just throw in guy X, Y, and Z. And if you ask rookies to take on huge jobs, you have to sometimes expect that they will get eaten alive like Garrett Bradbury in his first year or Cam Dantzler or Jeff Gladney. But there's been this thing like, oh, Yannick Ngakwe, he'll fix it. We'll just trade for him. He'll sack all the people and then good to go. And hey, you know, okay, Xavier Rhodes, he wouldn't play very well, but we'll just pick somebody else and then they'll come in here and be good. And um, that just it just hasn't played out because if everything didn't go exactly their way, this was what was going to happen. Hunter injury. Now the bar injury, those are things not going your way. So I wonder if even right now they would go back if they could in time and say, okay, maybe we should have just let his contract play out and then see what happens, whether it's a Cam Newton uh, ends up available or whether it's a, you know, draft pick that ends up, Uh, working out for you or whatever, I think that they would kind of take that one back if they could, rather than creating enough space to sign a guy who didn't play this year in Michael Pierce. 
Right. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> that's right. Um, it was it was really interesting that they when they extended Cousins, we waited forever to see kind of to what end, right? Because they like they ended up like having just twelve million dollars in cap space, just kind of floating around doing nothing. Um, and that was I think even after they signed Michael Pierce, they had like a, a good chunk of cap space that they just weren't doing anything with. And I don't think they themselves anticipated trading for a Yanni Kinkakwe. So it was just like, okay, we're just kind of floating around. We're going to rely on like seven new starters on the defense or whatever. Um, the thing that really gets me is that uh, I think that there was just kind of a um, uh, a feeling that that some of this would just inevitably work out on its own. Uh, I remember we we kept on asking Zimmer multiple times like hey is this going to be an offensively driven team uh-huh. uh, and he's like well I've never had a bad defense and it's like well nobody really wanted to say yes you did it was in 2014 because that's not his fault those aren't his players right and they weren't very good players and so you don't want to like but that's not the point they're not very good players now it turns out you can't you're a phenomenal defensive coordinator you cannot design a, a great defense without good pieces without good players and you've got a ton of new players that a lot of people, you know, didn't necessarily want. Like, if Jaleel Johnson hits the market, who's signing him, right? Like, it, it's going to be tough to, to build this defense with uh, with the guy that you picked up off the waiver wire starting for you at defensive end, which is why you traded for Yannick Ngakwe in the first place. Uh, and then also you've got to downgrade on this offense. So I, I think that's one of, one of the things. But the other thing is that I, they just kind of figured that they would be able to get Everson Griffin back if they wanted to. You know, they, they just kind of figured that they'd be able to attract free agents. And it just feels like, when has that been true? <laughs> when have the Vikings won a ton of free agency battles? Like, it was really great when they signed Linval Joseph and Captain Munderland, who were neither of them with the top free agent on the market. But, you know, they failed on, like, Rick Wagner, who sucks. Uh, and, and they went after him. They failed on Clint Bowling, who has a relationship with Zimmer. Like, the guys that you're getting are second, third, fourth-tier year uh, free agents. I don't know that you'll be able to use that cap space to effectively always go after the top guy in free agency. And it turns out you can't even go after your own guy who wants to be here. So, yeah, I don't know. Like the, the fact that the, the Zimmer was extremely confident Everson Griffin was coming back, the fact that he was extremely confident that uh, they'd find a way to just make the defense good, uh, even though this was – and some of these discussions happened while Anthony Harris was on the trade block. Like, again – this defense is going to be great. We don't need the the safety that might be better than our captain. Well, <laughs> it's just wild to me. Um, yeah, it, 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 just a remarkable lack of planning. Um, yeah, if they go back and and you know you know they they have knowledge of the future about how a lot of these decisions work out. Uh, yeah, they probably don't extend Cousins because it's clearly going to be time to to go. And I don't think that the season's going to go four and you know twelve. I think the season's probably going to end up. You know, maybe five wins, that would be the kind of the low end of my expectation, even after all, what we watch. But, yeah, I can see a seven-win team. Yep, no, I agree. It doesn't have to go, but I think that they would just be like, okay, we've done enough with Cousins. We, like, we know what that looks like. We've got another year, right, because I think they had another year under contract before this extension anyway. So, you know, we've got a bridge quarterback. We don't have to worry about it. But now they're just kind of locked in, and it's just like all of these parts and pieces um, – but hey, they extended Delvin Cook. So, but that well, and that's the thing is that you have the parts and pieces that are good, but there's so much to be done 
to paint over the bad that you need a lot of capital to do so because these drafts haven't hit, which was my original angle to kind of look back at these last few drafts that have just not worked out the same way it did in 2015 and how much that's impacting them right now. But think about, I think about this a lot with, you mentioned Captain Munnerlyn. Uh, He wasn't there in 2017, but in 2016 and 15, he was on good defenses. Terrence Newman comes to mind as well that when we look at defense, it's really about the weak links more than it is about the strongest pieces. And when an offense knows that you at the three technique position are well, well below average, when they know at the nose guard position, you're below average, when they know that at corner, none of your guys have ever played football in the NFL before, like they can attack these spots and not worry about Harrison Smith or not worry about Eric Hendricks. Cause you're not even going after that guy. There are so many other pl- places that you can attack. And I think one of the key lessons of the 2015, uh, 16 and 17 defenses are you had a lot of average and a little above average. Terrence Newman was not a mega star nickel corner in 2017. What he was was competent as hell. And the same thing goes for Captain Munnerlyn. The guy was competent. He was making a tackle when it comes his way. He knew the defense. And the same even goes, you know, I, Tom Johnson comes up a lot on the show because Tom's awesome uh, as a guy who's great to cover and he's a good player who didn't get enough credit. But again, I mean, we're not talking about Aaron Donald. We're talking about a guy who was average at his position for what his role was, but average is very good. And so now my question is, if you guys as the Vikings are going to rebuild a full roster to have all these good pieces, like a B-Rob coming off the bench to rush on third downs, as opposed to Hercules Mata'afa, who is still here apparently. And that's where there is so much work to do, but not a whole lot of space to do it with and that's kind of because you had to re-sign everybody in sight. And, and that, that right there to me is the biggest thing that I would question, aside from, of course, the extension where you could have gone full rebuild, um, is going into this offseason, like, did you just think that all these things would kind of click and work and not having any depth whatsoever and having lots of positions that were not certain to be anywhere near average? Like, was that... Was, did you convince yourself that that was going to be okay? Because I didn't get the impression at any point, Arif, that they were rebuilding. They wouldn't say it. When we asked about it, they laughed at us. I mean, Harrison Smith Harrison Smith straight up mocked it. He said, oh, I didn't know we were supposed to be bad. Wow. That's <laughs> Surprise, <why>. buddy. <laughs> right? Yeah, you are in for something then. And so from, from this season, there's a this season and there's a long-term perspective of you've got a lot of places to fill. And you thought by drafting everybody under the sun it would do it, but I'm not sure that it will. Yeah, and, and the thing is, like, it is analytically sound to make, like, 15 or whatever draft. Like, you're probably at an upper limit near there, but it is, yeah, it makes a ton of sense to throw all kinds of darts in the draft, and that's great. That doesn't mean that when it works out, it's going to be in year one, right? Like, you, they, they invested, uh, you know, uh, two picks cornerback the first two days they've invested two picks at cornerback one on the offensive line one at wide receiver and they took a step back at every single one of those positions that's not a shock but like that tells you a lot about kind of what they were relying on and what they needed to have work in order for this team to kind of just keep on chugging along because yeah you cut your best guard for whatever reason i still haven't really figured it out uh and now your guard play is totally garbage like i've got i've got to think injury for josh klein right just like yeah because he hasn't signed anywhere else right right? so there's got to be 
Yeah. But, but uh, even then, I'm sorry to interrupt, but like Ron Leary, I mean, this was the point. You traded for Yannick Ngakwe and took up all your cap space when, and I think Ngakwe is a good player, but when there, if you were going to win this year and, and your expectation was playoffs this year, there were a lot of spaces to fill, like, how about a veteran corner? How about a veteran guard? And instead you went... And, and there are all kinds of corners that now have experience in this kind of system, right? Right. You don't just have to go after Dark East and Art, although, hey, maybe you could have. <laughs> but, you, you know, there, there are people who have played now in, like, Paul Gunther systems that are very similar, right, that have experienced with Oakland and Miami. You know, there are people that have played in Belichick systems that are actually very similar to what Zimmer asks his corners to do, uh, even down to the shuffle and, and, and the match zone reads. So, like, there are corners that are familiar with what you're going to ask them to do. Just have a floor. Like like you just said, like, a lot of defense is about weak links, and, and the Vikings – you know, I think that they were probably making the correct choice when they gambled that, hey, you know, we're going to enter the season with a lot of uncertainty at cornerback. We can get a lot better at corner. We can also get a lot worse. The thing is, we don't know, right? And I think that that's right, because the only way you can get better is take a risk that you'll get worse. Fine. That makes sense there. But that doesn't mean that you can't put some, like, insurance in there and make sure that instead of, like, trying to figure out whether or not you want to roster Mark Fields, you've got, you know, a guy that you know is, like, all right. Like, Darkest Denard, like like Captain Munroman, not a star. That's fine. You need a bunch of not-a-stars. So you could have had somebody who's familiar with the system. I know that, you know, you've got this offseason where you don't get to teach people stuff, and I, you know, all the sympathy in the world, right? 31 other teams have to deal with this. But there are people that are familiar with what you're going to ask them to do Go get them. They're better than the guys that you have, potentially. And if they're not, great. You've got the best backup in the world. You can never have too many corners. How many times have you said that? So, yeah, it's really weird how they approached a lot of this offseason where all they're trying to do is hit home runs. And, you know, you can't just rely if you've got a low batting ever, you can't just rely on hitting home runs. want to remind you to go to SodaStick.com to get your original Minnesota sports-inspired goods. They just launched their official collaboration with Bud Grant. Yes, Bud Grant. You can now get your official Bud Grant shirt and Man Cave art print. If you haven't seen it yet, you have to check it out, and we're going to hook you up with free shipping for your order. Use code PURPLEINSIDER for free shipping. That is SOTASTIC, S-O-T-A-S-T-I-C-K.com, original Minnesota sports-inspired goods, code PURPLEINSIDER for free shipping. Get back to the conversation in just a minute, but first, Visa knows that local businesses are the heartbeat of our communities. Whether they're our corner stores, our coffee spots, or our favorite shops, local businesses have always been there for us. They remember our orders, they call us by name, always giving back, making a difference, and going the extra mile to support us and our community. And right now, more than ever, local businesses need our support. So, now it's time for us to return the favor. The next time you go shopping, make the choice to shop at local businesses and look for the contactless symbol and tap to pay with a contactless visa to help support your community because where and how you shop matters. Visa, everywhere you want to be, official partner of the NFL. And and to circle back, all of this stuff really connects to the you didn't commit to a rebuild and you didn't really commit to we're going to keep going 10-6 and six and get to the playoffs this year because all the moves we just laid out, if you get Prince of Makamura, if you get Dre Kirkpatrick, like those are moves to help you win the NFC North. And if you don't do any of these moves, 
and you also don't extend Kirk Cousins or even Mike Zimmer for that point, then you're saying, well, actually we're going to rebuild. So I think about when Chicago drafted Mitch Trubisky and I think they had Mike Glennon as their starting quarterback and John Fox was the lamest of the lame ducks or even take where Jacksonville is right now with Doug Marone. Doug Marone, hey, they, he might keep it close and keep his job and all that sort of stuff, but probably not, right? So they probably go like 4-12, and 12 and then they change coaches, and everyone goes like, oh, okay, moving on, because we were clearly rebuilding with all the draft picks and everything, and we moved on from players. Uh, and in this case, there was never a very clear signal from the moves that were made, starting with the extension of Kirk Cousins, okay, we're going to rebuild, which I think – that from a Viking fan perspective, you would have had a 75 to 90% approval rating from fans to say, okay, look, that last era, lots of fun times, lots of crazy bleep, but like, okay, maybe we need to take a step back to take a, a step forward. In a, in a way, Washington is clueless, of course, but Washington, 2017, they let go their veteran receivers. They, they moved on from a lot of people and clearly took a bit of a rebuild and clearly were not locked into Kirk. And, okay, there's been a lot of pain since because they're super inept. But right. if you think about that situation, that's what we could have been looking at here. Okay, they let everybody walk. Now they're rebuilding. But that was not the clear signal from the Vikings this offseason. And like you said, if you're going to walk that tightrope, you better have Chris Boyd or somebody turn into a really great player or Drew Samia or all these players that they thought, hey, maybe there's a shot this guy takes the next step. And really none of them have, which we need to talk about because I was going back to the 2016 draft and you have absolutely no one left from that draft on the team presently. So there's a whole <laughs> draft that wasn't that long ago Remember, their contracts took them through 2019. So you have no second contract players from a whole draft. Yikes. And then you go to 2017. You have paid a running back, always super risky. Uh, your third round pick is on his third position in three years. So that's not really a good thing and hurt. Uh, Jaleel Johnson is just getting pulverized. Uh, ben Gideon's career might be over. Rodney Adams' career, I think, is over. Danny Isadora, Bucky Hodges, Stacey Coley, Elijah Lee, Jack Tocho, the only guy who's playing is Afadi Adenabo, and he's an NFL player, but you're not really sure that he can play much more than situational. And then even you get to the 2018 draft. Jalen Holmes is proving that he can't play in the league. Tyler Conklin is a third tight end. Daniel Carlson had a hell of a kick for the Raiders the other night. He did. The other guys aren't on the team. Adea Aruna, who knows what happened. Who knows if he ever even existed. And then, you know, 2019, we should start finding out in year two where these guys stand. B.C. Johnson can't handle a number two role. That's probably the case. Armand Watts has got whipped the first two weeks. Mm -hmm. Samia, oh, my gosh, I'm glad that he is alive considering what happened. You got another running back. Congratulations on that. And, you know, Garrett Bradbury and Irv Smith might still be good players. So there isn't those, hey, this Diggs guy from the fifth round, look at him. Daniil Hunter from the third round, they have not had that. And I think that they were counting on that in the way that yeah. they shoved all the cash to 10 people and then said, well, everybody else, you better develop. And you know what? Like you said, Mike Zimmer, great at scheme. Andre Patterson, great at teaching. But we can't take not talent and just mold it into NFL talent. Yeah, and, and I think the thing is, like some of the guys you name – Great picks on it. Like, Afadi Adenabo, great pick, right? 
But that's not the same as getting a, a, a real contributor that's going to make your defense good, right? Um, like, it's fine that you got value out of the Armin Watts pick. He's already outperforming. He got whipped, but he's already outperforming sixth-round picks, right? That's not the same as having a starting, you know, three technique. That is putting yourself kind of on the path to being able to deal with the punches when they come. Like, it's fantastic that the Vikings have Eric Wilson, especially in light of this Anthony Barr news. Like, that's kind of where you're at with these, like, late-round picks that are not good in terms of, like, comparison to starters, but are working out in comparison to where you are. And if you, like, tricking yourself into thinking that that means you can just take a ton of picks, like a a ton of uh, shots, and and know that you're going to, like, you know, hit on all these picks, and and for you hitting means outperforming draft slot instead of getting a starter, then you're going to be in a bad spot when you get rid of a bunch of starters, and now you've got a bunch of guys that can't play at a starting level but are still, like, good picks, right? Like, it's, it's like asking for extra credit when you didn't get a Like, okay, fantastic. Like, you, you had a bunch of good picks, um, and, 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 and from that perspective, those picks were, were great for what you paid for them. But you need to fill out a roster that isn't going to get constantly terrorized by, you know, opposing offenses that have the ability to kind of pick and choose where they attack. Like, here's a good example. So Josh Allen, we both made a ton of fun of him over the years. He was pretty bad. These last two weeks, he's been electric. The thing that's really interesting to me is that he pl- when they played Miami, uh, you know, just last week, you, Byron Jones goes out after like three snaps, and Miami's forced to play a guy that might still end up being good, but the rookie corner, Noah Igbenogany. And Josh Allen is like, that guy. I've got Stephon Diggs, I've got John Brown, I've got Cole Beasley, I'm going after Igbenogany. And he targets him like 13 times in this matchup for 11 receptions for 154 of his 400-odd yards that day. Like, that's what happens. You've got a quarterback that I I don't know if he's good anymore. Like, I I mean, he's taken a bunch of steps, and, and that's great. Uh, and, and he looks really electric. We'll see how that turns out. You've got a quarterback that had some issues kind of processing and making quick decisions early in the draft. We don't know where he is. And Miami has Xavier Howard and Byron Jones and Christian Wilkins. And they've got like a bunch of pieces that are pretty interesting. And maybe the first good coach to come out of the Belichick coaching tree, we'll see. Right. And they, they, they have one injury. They make one mistake. They've got a rookie in there. And Josh Allen is focused and has the game of his life get like terrorizing this guy and the Vikings have like four of those guys right yes yeah and uh Jeremiah Searles made a good point that if Jonathan Taylor hadn't been a rookie he probably runs for another 50 60 70 yards in that game and also T.Y. Hilton bring it in bring it in right uh, yeah right there for you same with uh, Valdez Scantling the week before so this could have even been worse uh and uh, they've been given some opportunities to stay in games where they probably even shouldn't have been as long as they were over these first couple of weeks which really tells you just how bad the situation is in terms of the roster and that's the way you put it is exactly what they're dealing with And it kind of reminds me last year of how teams would go after Xavier Rhodes. But Xavier Rhodes knew the defense. He could tackle anything. So if you threw in front of him, he was going to tackle the player in front of him. And also everyone else was decent. Mackenzie Alexander was decent. Trey Waynes was not great, but he was an NFL outside cornerback who, again, could tackle anything that came his way. And so you immediately go from having all competent pieces, even at your worst spots, to having a bunch of places that are not competent. And now here's where you push it forward is 
When will they be, though, if you continue to take this approach and not the approach of you might actually have to bring in and do kind of what Philly did this a little bit uh, when they won the Super Bowl in 2017 where they signed a bunch of people. And it wasn't always stars. It was like um, – was the uh, no actually Los Angeles is Nikel Roby Coleman, but uh, they signed what the nickel corner there uh, Robinson uh, Patrick Robinson who Patrick had Robinson. Uh, who they they didn't need to have a spectacular year for for that for that year to work out for them he did end up having the only good year of his career but yet now they signed <laughs> a bunch of people right because they had like Timmy Jernigan on their defensive line from Baltimore they grabbed um, Chris Long Vinny from Kirk, New England guy's been around there for a long time right yeah. So, like, they, they grabbed a bunch of guys to fill out kind of the, the, the bottom end of the back end. They got Stefan Wisniewski as, uh, as depth that year. Um, I'm taking a look at the – Corey our, Smith our, was also a receiver right. who was kind of at the end of his career, didn't have much left. But they – not much left for Torrey Smith is a heck of a lot better than maybe, and I'm not saying there's no chance, but maybe B.C. Johnson, right? So. Right. Uh, if there, it seemed like their thing when you spend all the way to the salary cap on seven people, including your quarterback, that it makes it really challenging. Like you have to hit, you have to find a Torrey Smith level player or a Patrick Robinson level player or a Vinny Curry level player in the draft. And so when you don't have that draft luck and it doesn't click, that's where you end up with this situation. And my question for you is, because you probably know how I feel about this, um, is how much should we look at these drafts and say, what the heck? Uh, because I th- I could go pick by pick. There are some that I question. Of course, I mean, Garrett Bradbury is a first rounder as a center because you were desperate to get a center who could handle the zone blocking. I, it, that's a hard one. <laughs> uh, in comparison to like a tackle or a Debo Samuel or an A.J. Brown. And if you knew that your number one receiver was very pissed, then maybe it would have been a good idea to pick a DK Metcalf, for example. I'm just throwing that out there. But so the, whatever, you can go with some logic picks. But I tend to think that it just is rolling the dice every time. And these last couple of years with the late rounds past the third, fourth round, it just hasn't gone their way. And this is the position you put yourself in, and you expected it to kind of keep going the way it did before. Yeah, well, and, and you could even hear that when they were talking about these picks. Like, DJ Wanham reminds me of Daniil Hunter. Like, yeah, he's tall, um, but but first, you know, no one knew that Daniel Hunter was. He wouldn't have been picked in the third round if we all knew Daniel Hunter was going to blow up. Like, you know, believe for you get credit for Daniel Hunter. You were the team that figured out that the super athlete, without a ton of you know pressure production at LSU, will turn into will turn into a really great you know player. But you know, you can't just say, hey man, KJ Osborne like Stephon Diggs was a kick returner at a school that didn't have a good quarterback, so. We're going to, you know, he's going to be the guy. We're going to figure it out, right? Um, and obviously, you know, they weren't, like, banking on Osborne. Right? They grabbed some other receivers. But for the most part, you know, the way they talked about some of these players made you think, what is your projection of these guys, and when do you project them to meet those, like, expectations? Because um, you're going to need someone to be able to – and I, I, you know, I'll admit it, I was high on Adenabo, but to me, he was a starting quality. You're not going to get a star, play, uh, you know, player out of him, right? But, like – you're going to need some of these guys to become instant contributors in a way that, you know, we just don't see very often for rookies. And, hey, you know, Stephon Diggs, he didn't he didn't ball out until, like, week four, week five. He got the start week five his rookie year. He had a really great game week four, and that's how he earned his start. The Vikings were like, oh, I, who knew that you were better than, like, Charles Johnson, despite the fact yeah, that you outperformed him in practice coming? every week. Yeah. Um, 
And so, you know, maybe Justin Jefferson, you know, has that. But I, I don't think – I'm a little skeptical of that because, first, we saw Stephon Diggs in practice, and he was just nuts, insane good. Uh, and second, like, Stephon Diggs produced as soon as he got an opportunity. Justin Jefferson's had opportunity, right? So there's a difference here. But, you know, maybe Justin Jefferson turns it on week four. Maybe, you know, hey, Mike Hughes actually had a pretty good game against the Colts. So, you know, maybe, you know, unless he has to go up against Amari Cooper again – you know, he'll be he'll be fine going forward. But like there there was nothing where the Vikings had a really good set of odds for hitting year one. A lot of these guys might end up being hits. You know, fifteen picks, I expect, you know, some of these guys to really perform. I just don't think it's gonna happen year one. And now the Vikings are realizing it. Ezra Cleveland wasn't even active week one, right? And it's like yeah, you keep telling us to invest in the offensive line. Hey, we invested in the offensive line. You know, not to any end, but we did it. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, you know, these these draft picks are – I'm kind of excited to see, you know, Irv Smith had a pretty bad game. Um, I don't project that to keep going forward into the coming weeks. So I'm, I'm excited to see how some of these guys work out. But, you know, the talent coming in, you can't reasonably expect it to match the talent coming out. And if that's the case, what's your plan? Your plan is not Kirk Cousins. He's not a solution, Right. He's just kind of not a problem. <laughs> like, right. You know. and, it all, and it all ties back into that, too, because you're starting Dakota Dozier at left guard and not Ezra Cleveland. And so you move him to left guard, you tell us, oh, no, he's actually a left guard, and that's, that's where we see him. And you go, okay, well, you drafted the left guard in the second round who can't dress right away. That's not great. Uh, but why is Dakota Dozier starting at all? I mean, that, that, I mean maybe they yeah, thought – victimized, which – no, no shock to anybody, but like I, they were trying to sell him a little bit before, right before the season. Like, oh, he's gotten a lot stronger. Wasn't it like year six or seven for yeah, him? Like, right. he's gotten yeah. a lot stronger. Right. But he yeah. discover protein shakes for the first time. <laughs> Look what's happening, man. Yeah, he got whipped, and the the only thing saving him is the fact that Drew Samia had the performance he did. Get back to the conversation just a second, but even though sports took a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts at all. Plus, Indeed provides you with powerful tools to make your search even easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire, and with 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire that you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates that you will see fast. Try Indeed with free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer anytime available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through September 30th. Right. Uh, and this, it all goes back to you didn't see this coming. Like you didn't think this was going to happen. You didn't think you'd end up in a rebuild, a full rebuild year. Because otherwise, you start Ezra Cleveland. You let, I mean, Riley Reef is long gone in that case. And you move O'Neal to left tackle and you play Rashad Hill or Ole Udo, who everyone seems to want to put in the ring of honor in my Twitter. But, you know, it's, 
no person. Did, did, they, did you get the tweet? Sorry, I just, I have to do this. Did you get the tweet that was like, which reporter's going to hold the Vikings' feet to the fire or going to grill the Vikings on why Ole Udo didn't start at yeah, guard? I know. Uh, none of us, yeah, man. because he doesn't play guard. Is one of <laughs> We're not going to ask that question. should be one of my first thoughts is he also, <laughs> also, by the way, and I will admit that I made this mistake, but Armand Watts dominated Week 17, and it might have just been that the Bears didn't care. It, it, it might have been. It could have been. Now I still think that the guy has some talent, but um, we'll and we'll see if he goes forward and has success. A lot of people have gotten whooped against the Indianapolis Colts offensive line, and you know Quentin Nelson and Kelly in there, but still not a great start for him either. And I think just counting on, hey. Uh, Ole Udo had a handful of snaps against Khalil Mack, who probably had his bags packed for the Bahamas or something, like, you know, flying right out of MSP after that game. So just trying not to get hurt. Uh, yeah, hold your, you know, here's the one thing, though, that we can say, is that if someone's not starting, uh, they're probably right about it because Drew Samia was not starting over Elfline, and we went, well, I don't know, maybe they should just try Samia. No, no, not good, not good. So, uh, but I will say that, that the fact that Dozier is starting and they tried to have Aviant Collins compete with him, someone who's 27 years old, none of that says, hey, we're just throwing all the draft picks out there, boys, and we're going to see what the hell happens. Then this actually might be fun. I think this is why it's so upsetting to the fan base is that it is a, we were supposed to compete for the division. And I went back through just over the last couple of days looking at, everybody's predictions around national media, not us, because local medias always tend to set the bar a little higher when picking the games and stuff. But a lot of national media picking the Vikings to win the division. And I think part of that was the way the Vikings presented themselves as, hey, we're not going to fall off the face of the earth. And then that's where the question comes in of, all right, so did you really think Dakota Dozier was going to work out? Like, I have much respect to a guy who's in the league as a swing guard and can play a couple positions. I mean, you you gotta you gotta be smart to be able to do it. And like, I respect you, man, but you can't start. It's just not a thing that you're able to do. Uh, but and he, he's an above average backup. Like, yeah, like that's clear, yep. right? Yep. Um, but did you think that like that... Joe Berger situation was happening here? It's just, it's like a lot. <laughs> you know what's funny is, uh, okay, I'll give you a golf example because I don't think you're a golfer at all. But I'm not. I'm very excited for this. Okay, so let's just say that I accidentally grab the wrong club out of my bag, and I get a six iron instead of a nine. We've all done it, and I chip in from like 15 yards away which is always something that you would use a nine with. If I go, oh, pure skill, everybody, not whoops, I grabbed the wrong club and just got lucky on some things. The Vikings not realizing when things have gone their way in the past and factoring for that seems to be becoming a thing. Whether yeah, it's the healthiest defense of 2019 and right. I think also 2017. And they were just like, yeah, that's going to keep going. And, and, and this is what happens, right? Like, I'm glad they, they – figured out that they needed depth at linebacker because it was like pretty glaringly clear that that was going to be an issue. And they, they like magic away into it, but now they needed even more. Um, but yeah, Daniel Hunter goes out, Anthony Barr goes out, no one's fault, but these are just things that happen. And so for you to think that like, you know, what happened last year is going to happen again, but better. That's just remarkably naive for, uh, you know, a veteran front office and a veteran coaching staff and like in every sense of the word. Right. Right. Uh, and, and it's just like, well, you've seen teams fall apart 
you've been on teams that fall apart. You can, you can say I've never had a bad defense. Everyone knows that's not true. We just respect how good you are, right, to not, like, point it out. But this is what, like, what would it look like for you to fail? Well, it looks a lot like this. What would it look like for you to succeed? Uh, probably not making the same moves and just having them happen to work out. Like, if you don't have a vision for what it's going to look like for – uh, the worst case scenario and for the best case scenario and to try and work around those visions, like those kind of pathways to success and failure. Uh, what are you doing being like in the front office or being a coach that's trying to, you know, generate constant playoff appearances? Because if you can't figure out what the worst case scenario looks like, which looks a lot like this, um, and not have plans to deal with that before they occur, then you're not doing your job. So let me ask you this before we uh, wrap up here. A very entertaining conversation for me because um, I've done a lot of yelling and I'm sweating. So uh, I can see that. Yeah, I'm glistening a little bit on the video here. Um, it's hot in my sun porch tonight and because uh, it's a beautiful evening, one of the last ones of the year. Anyway, let's suppose it gets turned around to some extent, to a reasonable extent. So I'm not talking about them going 11 and 5 at this point. But let's say the 7 and 9 scenario that you laid out there. Two questions. I mean, one, how does that happen? Because, oh, man, has it been rough through the first couple of weeks. But the second question is, is that bad or is that okay Like for the future? <laughs> it's not uh, it good. No one would ever think it's great to go 7 and 9. Is it, right. is it real bad or is it okay if they go 7 and 9? Well, it kind of depends on how the turnaround happens. Like, if the turnaround happens because, like, their slate of quarterbacks that they're about to play all get injured, like, then it's just like, well, okay, fine, great. You lucked into, you know, a wild card in, in, in the first 14-team playoff in NFL history. Great. But um, if it happens because Justin Jefferson takes the next step, if it happens because Jeff Gladney, you know, uh, you know switches it, right, uh, then you can say that there's like elements here that you can take advantage of. Maybe you don't have to talk about who's on what hot seat in terms of the coaching staff. Um, and you've got some pieces, a lot of pieces that maybe can develop, right? But it really depends on how it happens. If Kirk Cousins has like just has a lights out October and you're like, well, we've seen this before. And then just kind of, it just kind of peters out to be functional for the rest of the season. Then I don't think that's necessarily good because you can't just rely on that to keep happening. But if it happens because Justin Jefferson has figured out the offense, if it happens because Ezra Cleveland has, you know, taken Dakota Dozier's protein shakes and become a lot stronger <laughs> to play guard, right, then you can say, well, great. You know, this season didn't go the way we wanted it to, but there are so many things I can point to that say we're really setting up to actually take advantage of the window we said we were in. Uh, and so it, it really kind of depends on, on what the circumstances are. You know, if Harrison Smith has the best year of his career, I'm not sure I'm going to count on that for, for 2021, right? He's 30, right? Right. But if, uh, if, if Anthony Harris is, is doing a great job and you find a way to extend him partway through the season, I'll say, yeah, sure. It's not inconceivable that a 26-year-old or however old he is uh, is going to keep playing well. That makes sense to me. Um, so it, it really just depends on, on the nature of it. And, hey, if Riley Reef keeps playing at this level, that's kind of interesting. Like, he's playing – you know, you know, it's difficult to see it because everyone around him is just collapsing. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but, you know, you know, some of these things, like, maybe Ezra Cleveland ends up becoming the guard of the future and then, and then Riley Reef is actually not terrible to have for the next couple of years, and now you've got something you can build around. But it really depends on how they get to 7-9 because if they get to 7-9 through a bunch of flukes, 
then then now you've got a bad draft position. You've got a useless playoff game that you might have qualified. I don't even know if 7-9 makes it this year. But, you know, you've got a bad draft position, and you've got things that you can't rely on. But if it comes from young players developing in ways that seem sustainable, then, yeah, that's okay. It's not, like you said, it's not good, but it's okay. Here's what I would say if you're a Vikings fan. I'm sorry about the thing with Kirk Cousins, the truth that we had to lay out a little bit there in the beginning. But I would say this. This whole next 14 games is going to be pretty fascinating. So breathe oh, yeah. it in. Waft it. Breathe it in. It's totally new. This is, this is different, not from Vikings history, of course. But this is totally <laughs> new for the Zimmer era. And it's been a long time since you've been through this. So breathe it in because it's very different. And in a way having a season that is a very messy, wild, all over the place. We're assessing everybody. We're trying to figure out what the hell they're doing. That hasn't happened in a while. I thought last year the complacency from Vikings fans really stuck out. It's like, yeah, okay, we beat the Giants. Who cares? You know, just a lot of, oh, oh David Blau, they beat him. That's nice. That's very nice. <laughs> uh, and then if you haven't had the, um, the playoff win in New Orleans, it would have been looked at as the most meh season in a very long time. Yeah. Which yeah. required like the co- like the one of the best coaching performances I've ever seen plus a little bit of luck. Uh, <laughs> Kicker misses a field goal for the Saints at the end of the half. They lose a uh the Saints lose a coin toss. Yeah. And yeah. Kyle Rudolph may or may not have pushed off. Yeah. Right. All that stuff. So, so, uh yeah, and 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 I think maybe the like, I know we're closing out, but I think the next interesting question is how good was it for the Vikings to win that playoff game? Because it might've given them a little bit more unearned confidence that they needed heading into the off season. That's a different podcast. That's at least another 45 minutes or more, but uh, <laughs> short, short answer is we'll find out. We're going to, we'll find out. Yeah, I mean, they extended right. people based on it. So they did. We'll find out. All right. Arif Hassan, read his work at The Athletic. It's terrific. He probably podcasts for zone coverage, something. With the yeah, no, I do. Football machine. Football machine. You're still football doing machine. football machine. I was kind of like, you're still doing the football machine. Okay. So look that up. It's fun. And uh, we'll talk to you later. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure that you can get in on every possible change to win this season. From game spreads to totals to team and player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, divisions, championships, all all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BlueWire at BetOnline.ag. That's BlueWire, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts.